loan officers. Join the mortgage calculator as an MLO for unlimited mortgage leads and up to 250 BPS compensation. Welcome, everyone. My name is Kyle Hershey. I'm the CEO of the Mortgage Calculator, joined here by our president, Nick Hershey, and our sales manager, Jose Gonzalez. We are a correspondent lender that specializes in non-QM loans. And every Tuesday and Wednesday, we do this show here to do the loan officer trainings on different topics. Now, last night, we touched on one of our specialties here at the Mortgage Calculator, which is two to eight mixed units, mixed unit, excuse me, properties. Now, tonight we're going to continue with part two of that. So I will let Jose Gonzalez, our sales manager with 27 years of experience as a loan officer and a realtor, take it over here and continue part two of the two to eight unit mixed use property training. All right. Good evening, everybody. Uh, So glad to have you here all tonight. So what I want to share with you all tonight is go over some pricing for the different scenarios uh, and then talk about, you know, how you can structure this when you're speaking with your borrowers, because, you know, you know, the investors usually want uh, the maximum LTV uh, and the lowest rate. That's not always possible. So it's good to illustrate what is possible uh, and reaffirm that so that then you can confidently convey that to your borrower so they can see the light and you can end up going to a happy closing. Now to touch base a little bit on, there may be some of you that were not on last night's training. So I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a little quick refresher. Our, this is for the mixed use two to eight unit properties. And here we're uh, using CR for loan type, right? We're not, this is not going to be like a regular full dock or anything like that. We're talking about 30 year term loans, fully amortizing. This is not an arm. This is not a five or a 10 year balloon or anything like that. This is a 30 year fixed rate loan. Now, all of these uh, loans for the, for the two to eight, as well as a five to eight unit for the two to eight mixed use, they all require a five-year prepayment penalty. There is no, there is not any other option available if you want to originate this loan and if the borrower wants to get this for this type of product. For, for all of these residential hybrid type ESER for the two to eight unit mixed use and the five to eight unit, they all require a five-year prepay. So make sure that you establish that point early on so that there's no miscommunication with your borrower who may say, hey, I didn't know, I, w- I don't want that. Well, if they want these great rates and if they want this amazing product, that's the there, there is no other option. That's what they have to, to, to agree to, right? So on this type of product, please remember that this is a mixed-use residential plus commercial where at least 50% of the building area of the structure has to be residential. Anything less than that, you're not going to be able to do it. So at least 50% has to be residential. And there are certain property types for the commercial component that are not acceptable, right? They don't really want manufacturing. They don't want worship. Uh, you know, they don't want a, a care 
nursing homes, you know, they're really looking for more standard commercial. They would love it to be a professional office. They would love retail. Now, we had questions yesterday regarding uh, if a bar or restaurant was possible. That's something that we would have to look into because it didn't exclude that type of business in the guidelines. So, I mean, if we're looking at what they said they would not do, and it did not say that they would not do restaurant or bars, though possibly they would do it. But before you would confirm that to any of your prospects, you would definitely want to confirm that with our investors to make sure with, you know, the uh, with the guidelines or with who we sell the loans to, to confirm that that is possible. So let me share our first example here is the the top tier which is a 760 plus credit. Oh, now one other thing I wanted to note because every now and then we do get this question and then somebody starts beating them, you know, beating their head, trying to figure out if they can do it. The maximum LTV is 75% for this best case scenario product with the 30 year fully amortizing loan and with these great rates. Even with the one that's the higher rate, the 30 year fully amortizing product, maximum LTV, is 75% LTV. So here in this one here, I mean, we would be looking at 9.375 is giving you a little bit of a lender credit and 8.25% is your lowest rate option. So keep in mind also, this does require a 1.1 minimum DSCR, right? So if your DSCR is below 1.1, we do have an option for you, which I'll share at the end of this presentation, which is our second choice option. Uh, but for our best case scenario, where we do get that 90% of the of the vacant property cash flow versus 75%, and where they do allow up to a 65% overall vacancy factor, they are uh, 75% is the maximum LTV there. And now, if your borrower has a 740 to a 759 credit score, again, this is still a pretty good tier, but you'll note, let me show you, remind you here, we had 9.25 was still giving a little bit of a lender credit here. In this case here, it's 9.375 giving a little bit of a lender credit, still required the 1.1 plus DSER. And it's still also 75% max LTV. So this is still a great scenario for your deals, right? Now, here, 720 to 739 credit score, you can still obtain 75% LTV. But you'll notice now that the lender credit option now increases to 9.625. So you're looking at about a 0.375 increase in the rate from our best case scenario, 720 to 739, uh, from our best case scenario of 760 plus credit score. So now when you get to a 700 to 719, uh, for our this best case scenario option that we have, the LTV does drop to 70%. But look at your rates again now. They do get a little bit better. Uh, you're at 8, 9.5 still gives you a little bit of a lender credit. And 8.375 is the lowest buy down. And if I should 
flip back to the other slide a minute, you'll see this one was 8.5 as the lowest buy down. And to get to that 8.375, you would have to be at a 740 to a 759 credit. So the LTV does drop by 5%, but again, you have very good rates here. Now, 680 to a 699 credit score, again, we do encounter an LTV drop. We're now looking at 65% maximum LTV, but again, look at these great rates and the cost. You will know once I show you the second choice option, you're going to see why these are amazing rates. And this is where we start talking about the structure on the deal, right? Because this is the, the point that you have to convey to your borrowers when being the consultant. Now, 660 to 679 still available to get these good rates and costs. Here you're looking at 10.125 is costing you $488 in buy down. And you can buy it down all the way to 9.125. Still amazing when you consider 660 to 679 credit score. That's a very low score. Now that the minimum credit score for this program, for whichever uh, option, this option or second favorite option, the minimum credit score is 660. Does not drop below 660. And here you're looking at 65% LTV max. So now here's where I wanted to show you in a scenario where you are at 700 to 719 credit score is 700 is going to be the lowest credit score that they can have and still get 75% LTV on a 30-year fully amortizing product. Now, keep in mind, look at the cost here, right? This is, you know, 15654 So you're looking at a full buy-down here of almost three points, 2.75 points to get 10 points. 249. And if you did want to buy it down uh, anymore, I mean, this wasn't the highest rate available on the rate sheet either. I sort of picked the one that was right in the middle. If you did want to buy it down a little bit more, if it would be possible, here we were doing $750,000 just price. I think the loan amount here is like 564. I guess I'll do some quick math here a minute. 750 times 0.75, yeah, 562,500. So you would be looking at, yeah, that's roughly 2.75 points there to get 10.249. So now if we go to our other 700 option, right? This gives us 70% loan to value. But if we look at our lowest cost option here, of $131, right? So 131. And in the other case, oops, excuse me. I lost my presentation here a minute. Sorry about that. Excuse me a second. So if we had uh, 15,654, you're looking at 15,500. And $23 difference in the cost between one and the other. 
right? Uh, and if we get that, that's where, you know, so we already know that's 2.75%. So the if, if the borrower, the borrower is only saving 2.25% here going with this option, but they're paying substantially more monthly, right? Because if you're looking at 50-40 in that option, 5040 for the payment. And in this option here, you're looking at 4414. So that's $626 there every month. So let me write this down a second here because I'm going to forget. So 626, and we're looking at 2.25% of, uh, right? So. Times by zero two two five. Five sixty two five hundred times point zero two two five. So that's twelve thousand six hundred and fifty six dollars in in our example here is what the customer is saving in down payment, right? And if we divide that by six hundred and twenty six in twenty months, which is not very long. In 20 months, that difference is already made up. So, and it's not a substantial amount of money when you're looking at a $750,000 purchase and you're looking at a $562,500 loan, you know, I mean, if you were going to tell me the difference, uh, you know, they're saving for whatever reason, a th- you know, it's a thousand or $1,500 or, you know, where, or less, I mean, where, where, where you're going to, where it may take 30 or 40 months to make up that difference. Maybe it says 300 or $200 difference, but it's not. The difference is $626. So you do uh, recapture that savings in 20 months. And then after that, it's a cost, an additional cost every month, like an opportunity cost where if they would have got the lower rate, they'd have the $4,414 payment every month. And if they decide to spend a little bit on buy down, then, you know, it could be even better. But if we're going to do, you know, apples to apples here, we'll go with the lowest cost option here and compare the payment. And I really wouldn't see the benefit unless the borrower absolutely did not have the extra $12,000 to put down so that they can make it to the 70% option at 9.5% and experienced a much lower payment, you know, and other factors that may come into play, you know, like, for example, what if you have a vacant unit and your DSCR is being affected because the other option only gives you 75% of the income on the vacant unit, whereas this option gives you 90% of the income on the vacant unit. And, and let me explain also some other factors to consider when you're looking at the structure between one option and the other, this option, even though the rates are better, allows first-time investor and first-time home buyer, whereas the other option does not. So you know when you're when you're really comparing the the scenario, you may have a first-time investor who's also a first-time home buyer that 
think that they want to go with the other option because of the LTV, but then you may not be able to make it. So you're right back to, and this is assuming they have a 700 credit score and they don't have a 720, you know, and if they have a 680, now 680 is not going to be able to go 75%. You're always going to be in the same, in the same scenario with the, with the buckets, with the LTV reduction. So you're going to be in the same situation when you're comparing one option to the other. You're, you're always going to be looking at that two and a quarter percent difference. You're always going to be looking at the higher uh, payment on the other option because it's a much higher rate. And you're going to be looking also at what if your borrower is a first-time home buyer and a first-time investor. You know, the other option won't allow that. This one does. So, I mean, you, when, when you're sizing up the deal, again, that's why you, you know, you're know you going to have to look a little bit beyond the uh, loan to value. You're going to have to look a little bit beyond the payment. And you're, and you're, you're going to have to make sure that you ask them as many of these questions. You know, even when, when you are quoting the deal, you want to know these things. That's part of the things that you should ask when you're dealing with a DSER borrower, uh, because you know that investor uh, experience uh, and uh, primary home ownership is a requirement in one form or another. It could be one or the other or both for many of these DSER options. Uh, so, you know, regardless of if you know you're going to do this, or you want to make sure you ask them all those questions about home ownership, about if they live rent free or not, if they if their if their current primary is paid off, make sure that they're up to date on their taxes because that's what they're going to ask you then if you use this option to show that they have some type of housing expense. So you really got to probe, get as much information as you can, which is also going to help you build rapport with your borrower. You don't want to just go in and out and then send them a quote and think that miraculously they're going to agree to it. No, you got to build up some rapport. You have to show uh, that you care for their well-being. And then they will, you know, the barriers will come down. They'll give you all the information that you need to, you know, properly size up the deal. And then at that point, you, you know, you're going to have your consultant head on and you're going to give them some recommendations on what they should do, what option they should get. Because all it's it's not always in the surface level. You know, it's not just, okay, what's your credit score? What's your down payment? What's your purchase price? Okay, here's your quote. No, you know, got to go a little bit deeper than that to make sure that you send the right quote for the right option. Was that was that all you wanted to go over? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just going over, you know, the pricing like that and just making sure that they got it set up properly and looking to see if they have any questions on these on this product type. All right. If anybody has any questions, go ahead and drop them there. We can answer some questions, but amazing programs, obviously. If you weren't able to tune in yesterday, definitely check out the recap of that. It's on our YouTube page for part one of this. Yeah, because where I see where I see that that uh, that MLOs get in trouble sometimes with these options is that they don't consider uh, asking you know the type of pertinent questions that they should, which is the ones that I was touching on now, which is home ownership, uh, first time home buyer, investor experience, 
and then they may get into the conversation. They may forget the, to emphasize that and uh, may end up sending some quotes that wouldn't make sense when, or maybe missing out on opportunities, you know, because then they could properly explain to the borrower why this option would be better, even though possibly depending on the credit score, the LTV may be a little bit lower, but the overall loan will be much better for the, for the borrower. Especially when you consider that the difference is usually between one and the other. If you factor in the increased cost of the other option, the benefit is usually only two and a quarter percent of the loan amount in savings to the borrower, and and that's not, you know, or you know, that's not really going to help them too much in the overall scheme of things. If they're planning on holding this property five, six, seven years and not refinancing out of that loan in five, six, seven years, they would be leaving a lot of money on the table at the higher rate needlessly. All right. Well, I don't see any questions, so I think we can go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Remember, we do this every Tuesday and Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time for the Loan Officer Training Series. And then, of course, our daily mortgage rates live at 11 a.m. Eastern every weekday as well. I do see a question coming in here. Is there a questionnaire questionnaire available to use to get the information? I guess you're talking about like a questionnaire for the client? Uh, Not really. I mean, we do have, uh, you know, we have had other trainings on the sales call, but, you know, and we do have in our lender loan guide, we have guidance on one of the slides there, we touch base on some of the questions that you should ask, some of the basic stuff that you should ask, and we do touch base on DSER uh, when we're when on that slide. So we do have some guidance there. So if you go into the Knowledge Center and you check out the Lender Loan Guide, you're going to get the guidance there for the basic questions that you can be asking. But in the end, it's going to boil down to a little bit more with you're getting familiar with the guidelines for that program. And then you're going to have a better idea of the questions that you should ask. Like I was touching base on it, right. You know, in yesterday's training and reemphasizing it today, where we're, where we were talking about the fact that you can be a first time home buyer and a first time investor but you need to have a housing expense that's verifiable if you're renting or if you're free and clear, uh, you would need to show that you paid the taxes on the property. So it's things like that that's going to help you uh, know what type of questions to ask when you're speaking with your investor. Another question here, how are these working in California where prices are extremely high and cap rates around 4%? Well, you know, that's a scenario. California is not the only place that is experiencing low cap rates. At that point, it's going to be a deal-to-deal scenario. Remember, this is not about cap rate. This this is just does the gross rental income cover the housing expense. Cap rate has to do with, you know, I mean, the housing expense, but other expenses on the property as well. Right here, we're just looking at principal, interest, taxes, and insurance, and of applicable association fee as your housing expense. 
you get the gross rental income divided by that. And if you're at least a 1.1 or greater for the best case option, you're good. And if not, you would go to the secondary option, which requires a 1.0 or greater. In many cases, it works, but, you know, that's case by case. You know, just got to ask the realtor for comps also, rental comps. Put it back on the listing agent, right? Yeah. If they can't, if they can't, the property's not financeable, it's probably at the wrong price. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for the questions. We appreciate it. We will hopefully see you all then next Tuesday and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern for the next episodes of Loan Officer Training Series with the Mortgage Calculator. Everyone have a great night. Thank you. Have a great night. Thanks, guys. Loan officers, join the Mortgage Calculator as an MLO for unlimited mortgage leads and up to 250 BPS compensation.